Welcome to Making a Scene, an Esplanade podcast on how art gets made. I'm Chong Gua Ki, a theatre director and performance maker, and today's conversation will focus on pathways for Chinese language theatre in Singapore through speaking to three local artistic directors of companies that are presenting work at the upcoming Hawaii Chinese Festival of Arts. First up, we have Oliver Chong of The Finger Players, who's also the playwright, director and set designer of Transplant. Hi, Oliver. Hi. <laughs> Ko Hui Ling of Drama Box, who is co-artistic director with Han Xiemi and co-directing The Dog Who Wasn't Useful with Isabella Chiam for Hawaii. Hi, Hui Ling. Hi, Hua And finally, wrapping up the power trio, um, Nelson Chia of Nine Years Theatre, who is the playwright and director of Everything For You. Hi, Nelson. Hello, everyone. Lovely. So, I think as someone who has worked with all three companies in one capacity or another and also followed all your works for many years, I think what is really interesting for me are your company's shifting relationships with Chinese language theatre. So just to set some context for our listeners, Nine Years Theatre, which uh, sort of started in 2012 with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, also presented at Hawaii actually, uh, has from the very beginning been very clear about your interest in being a major player in the Singapore Mandarin theatre scene. So the write-up about your work notes that Nine Years Theatre is currently the only company under NAC's major funding scheme that positions itself as a Singapore Mandarin theatre company. Uh, at the same time, it feels like Nine Years Theatre used to have a brand of presenting classics in Mandarin. Uh, your focus in recent years has actually shifted to creating more original writing in Mandarin, starting from First Fleet in 2019 to Electrify My World in 2021, and of course, Between You and Me in 2022 at last year's Hawaii. In comparison, for both The Finger Players, founded in 1999, and Drama Box, founded in 1990, while Mandarin theatre was actually a core part of your identities in the past decade, both companies have actually shifted away from the label of Chinese language theatre companies and instead focused more on other aspects of your work. So in the case of The Finger Players, it's been about, and again I quote from the company's website, fusing traditional and contemporary puppetry elements and integrating other artistic disciplines into your visually arresting productions. Although you do still present a number of works in Mandarin, such as Every Brilliant Thing at Hawaii in both 2022 and 2023. As for Drama Box, it seems that your focus has really been about growing and, again, I quote, as a socially engaged theatre company known for creating works that inspire dialogue, reflection and change. Um, and actually, a lot of your recent works have tended to be in English or multilingual rather than Mandarin alone. So that's a very dense, but also a very condensed overview for our listeners. And I think the main point to take away is really that all three companies have had a very nuanced relationship with Chinese language theatre over the years. As such, the first question that I'd like to pose to all three of you is, given Hawaii's focus as Esplanade's Chinese Festival of Arts, how do you currently see your broader relationship with Chinese language theatre? either personally um, or from your company's standpoint, if that's slightly different? And how has that actually informed your work for the upcoming Hawaii in terms of genre, style or any other aspects? What are your thoughts? 
Okay, I think for Naya's theatre, uh, as Kwaki mentioned earlier, we, we kind of just realised uh, recently, I think last year or, or this year onwards, as we were doing our strategic review moving forward for the company, that uh, under the NAC Major Arts uh, Scheme, we are the only company that positions ourselves as a Singapore Mandarin theatre company. Um, now, of course, um, the question is then, what does that mean and, and why is it significant? for us, especially when I see um, the other companies are actually moving away from that label. Um, again, we could say that these are just labels, but I think for Nine Years Theatre, um, where we're coming from is, you know, from my encounter with a lot of um, international counterparts, especially uh, regional partners in, in Hong Kong, Taiwan, uh, Macau, uh, even Malaysia, Indonesia, um, I've realised that uh, Singapore... Chinese culture is really unique, at least to me, because of our multiculturalism, right? And the word multi in multiculturalism um, only makes sense to me uh, meaningfully when all the individual ethnic uh, identity are strong enough, has a strong foundation. I, I almost see it like a, a kind of a Southeast Asian house on stilts in a way, so that all these individual foundations needs to be strong and, and hence colourful in, in themselves, so that when they come and interact with one another, the true uh, multi kind of a nature will blossom in a way. Otherwise, um, sometimes we may just become different, but not really multi. That's how I look at it. So in, in the Singapore context, I feel that if Nayus Theatre can um, do our part to sort of enhance um, and, and to strengthen the uh, Chinese, the multicultural identity of Singaporean Chinese in a way through theatre, through our art, then that's probably what we should continue doing. In, in a sense, so that when our production goes out into the, the international um, arena, we will be distinct and unique from any kind of a, a production, Chinese language production from Hong Kong, Taiwan, uh, the, the region and China, and hence the Singaporean brand or label will then be recognised as distinct uh, when compared to all these international counterparts. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I'm curious then how this idea of the Chineseness within the multiculturalism feeds into the way you then approached everything for you, actually. Mm, yeah. Uh, everything for you is the title of the, <laughs> the production plan. that's going to be in the uh, Huayi Festival. Um, now this is a, a sort of a second installation of uh, this original uh, Mandarin works that uh, we're doing with um, Huayi Festival, the first one being um, Between You and Me, uh, two years ago. So um, for us, the, the multicultural sense comes from the fact that um, we speak a very unique uh, Singaporean kind of Mandarin that is uh, peppered with a lot of English and our colonial influences, uh, our other cultures, you know, the Malay, the, the Tamil cultures, and our dialect cultures as well, right? And also characters that come from uh, all ethnic backgrounds, yeah. Of course, you can say that that's kind of a, a superficial level, but I feel that it is important uh, in our effort to tell uh, Singaporean stories on the stage as a Mandarin theatre company. I see that has been done a lot, actually, uh, in the English theatre scene, 
But um, what we hope to do this time round is to begin uh, consolidating the new narratives and new Singapore stories uh, for for our Mandarin theatre uh, moving her ahead. Mm, so I hear that the exploration is really more in terms of the Singaporean Chinese stories and actually in the storyline itself, there is also hints of um, different cultures mixing as well, right? And I'm not going to do any spoilers, um, but the idea of the relationships that we have with people who are non-Chinese as well, something like that? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think the interaction is important. And to be really honest, I think one of my, the characters in, in the play said that, you know, what we're trying to achieve here is uh, racist harmony in a way. Right, because we're, we're all racist in, in, a, in a certain way, not in a bad way, but we, we all have our own ethnic background and our baggages. You know, and, and that is how we will position ourselves when we interact with all the other cultures. And we need to recognize that. That's how I feel. Yeah. Mm, thanks. I think that segues nicely into Hui Ling and Drama Box's work, actually, because I think Drama Box has really been leaning into that multiculturalism and multilingualism, right? That a lot of the works have quite consciously been playing with different languages. Is that something that you want to share more about? Mm, I think um, something slightly different with uh, Nelson is that he's the founding artistic director for nine years, whereas, you know, I inherited <laughs> it as we continue on. So I think for a company that's like um, 30 years old, in the beginning years, we was very focused on how the company began in terms of uh, how Heng Luan and his friends came together from the uh, NUS um, Mandarin Theatre uh, CCA to form the group. I think over the years, as we have been working in the public spheres, the community is not um, isolated to just being Chinese. I mean, we did a lot of public performances just purely in Mandarin, uh, but we realised that we also were cutting off a certain group of, um, or rather a very other big section of uh, the audiences who were there passing by and they want to engage with the work, but um, they are unable to understand fully. So as we started moving on, working more with um, the community in co-creating the work itself, then we realised the beauty of the diversity. So I actually echo what Nelson says about, you know, because I myself am a Chinese, so I embrace my Chineseness. And I think Drama Box, what we do is the looking at two things, the intersections of different things and as well as the gaps. So by the intersections, I think our approach towards the exploration is that uh, me being a Chinese and then being in this larger community of uh, diversity of different uh, background, cultural uh, understandings and beliefs, you know, what is that communication or the conversations that we can have because we are different? And then uh, it allows us to bridge um, understanding or try to find other ways in terms of uh, no, just not looking at differences, but also looking at similarities as well. Yeah, so I think that's where you know Jarbox comes in into looking at you know this beautiful mirage of uh, diversity and then trying to make sense of it all. And just now I mentioned about gaps because our practice is very much based on the philosophy of theatre of the oppressed and um, pedagogy of the oppressed. I feel so um, many of the times we look at the places or people that people seldom look at. So I think between even Shemi and myself now, I think that is an area uh, that we will constantly be, be looking at. You know, are there certain uh, communities or people that have been overlooked or certain places 
uh, that have been forgotten. And then we would use theatre as the form itself to bring this uh, to light so that more people can share and uh, uh, spend some attention on that particular place, community or topic. Yeah, so I think that's um, how then we have segued uh, in in a way besides uh, the language itself, you know, into uh, more concerns about the general environment around us. Yeah, and I think that's also why I think this time around a kids show, which I've never ever done honestly, because I've always been working with teenage, secondary school and above. Uh, for the longest time, but not for kids. So it was quite interesting for me because it's something that I've not done before. And I got this opportunity to step into a new arena that uh, I have not dealt with. And I think it's also a very different group of audiences that you're creating for. So the pitching of the languages, uh, the design, because we are very into participation, right? So the design of the participation is also something that uh, we can afford the time to really think about it. And I think also uh, then working with a larger group of uh, very good freelance uh, practitioners out there who actually have spent time uh, looking into theatre for young audiences. So like working with uh, Isabella this time round as a co-director. So I think that is uh, the excitement for me this time round uh, in exploring a totally new arena and a new target audience. So I think with Drama Box's work, there's always been a lot of collaboration with practitioners um, and other disciplines as well. And I think that's something that feels very strong from the finger players' work in recent years, that there's been a lot of collaboration both locally and internationally, most recently with Joe Louis, Puppet Theatre in Thailand. And for your work with Hawaii, there's also going to be a collaboration with Rudra. How does this feed into the way you think about Chinese language theatre and, and how does that feed into this particular work? Mm. Uh, perhaps I want to go back to the very first question, uh, which is a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> the broader aspects of Chinese language theatre in Singapore and what about that, right? Uh, because... Um, in the finger players, we have many different uh, creators. So we function more like a collective. So the language that each creator chooses to use is up to the creators, which language is, is most comfortable for each individual uh, creators. So for myself, I would prefer the Chinese language and therefore I'm doing the Chinese language. Uh, for people like uh, Zichen, he might choose to do um, English language. So, so then it is up to the creators. So it is not really language specific to begin with. It is more just like what language do we prefer? But personally, because of my uh, more Chinese language theater background, uh, I have always been um, reflecting a lot about the Chinese language in the Singaporean context. Um, I would choose to ignore or deny that I uh, or Singaporeans do have an accent, but actually we do have an accent. After having enough experience with people from China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Malaysia, uh, Macau in the region, uh, I've come to accept that we really do have an accent. People like us, uh, practitioners, we work with languages. So we thought that we, we would be more neutral or, or, or more accurate what we like to think, right? But actually... Um, um, yeah, we do have an uh, accent and the nuances in the language. It's all coming from this multiculturalism uh, of Singapore, like what Nelson was saying. So coming back to the recent years, uh, finger players doing more collaboration with uh, 
people who are non-Chinese language based. It's not coming from a language uh, standpoint. It's more coming from a working with these different disciplines. Uh, like Joe Louis, they are a traditional puppetry company. So I see a very uh, nice crossover, a meaningful crossover when we are uh, actually a contemporary puppetry theatre company. And then from Rudra, because uh, they are heavy metal, Vedic heavy metal, right? Something that's very original. And, and I thought a collaboration with them would be very interesting and inspiring when we are doing uh, uh, stories that are inspired from Liao Chai, which is more classic piece of work. So the work is called Transplants, right? So metal bands, um, how do you even put these two very unlikely components together? That's something that is very uh, interesting and scary at the same time. So uh, that's the challenge I put upon myself for this Hawaii. I think what I really appreciate from what the three of you have shared so far is really the sense that there is both the kind of company's positioning, but also the very personal um, stakes in, I guess, both the language and also what the language relates to in terms of the larger culture and what is the, in a way, the Singaporean society that we want to see, right? Um, and I guess I'm then curious to probe a little bit more about this idea of the potential new pathways, right? Huiling, you spoke about how this is really the very first time you're working with TYA and um, for Oliver, you're talking about how this is a very new collaboration in terms of thinking about Liao Chai, right? That you have actually done work around Liao Chai before. But I think this is the first time that it's been a kind of like cross-cultural um, collaboration. And I guess for Nelson, it sounds like this idea of the Singaporean story is also something that is newer to to for you and for Nine Years Theatre. How do you think each of these different threads of exploration um, is potentially a new way for people to engage with Chinese language theatre in Singapore? Nelson? For me, um, I am anxious about the fact that um, the Singaporean uh, Chinese culture, the multicultural identity of Singaporean Chinese is not very recognised and definitely not celebrated enough in the region and, and well, uh, um, almost internationally as well. So I think we're so unique that we need to start to look at this very unique culture carefully and intentionally. So for us, sort of consolidating what I call a, a kind of a new Singapore repertoire moving forward is important for us you know, to tell our stories, our concerns about our society, about living with other races, our food, our government, all kinds of things. So that is for me how I see Nayas Theatre moving forward, uh, using this as one of our genres uh, moving forward. I am also very concerned about um, the future, uh, about artists creating in the Singaporean uh, Mandarin, uh, be it as a writer or a director and definitely actors. 
Um, so when thinking about that, I sometimes feel that there is in fact a crisis. I'm not sure if I can call it a crisis. Maybe I can because I'm, I'm such a heavy stakeholder <laughs> in the business in a way. And I realize that if in, in 10 years, 20 years time, if a lot of these companies, including Drama Box, Finger Players, Nice Theatre and many more, if we are gone, you know, will, will, will someone else be doing uh, these works? Um, so I think Nine Years Theatre, what we intend to do moving forward is to create our own um, actors, create our own creators and definitely audience. So um, like Hui Ling said, something we have never done before. So going forward, I think Nine Years, we're going to try to start a kind of a, like a young company. So there are many young companies uh, in the Singapore theatre scene, but mostly in English or, or multicultural, in fact. Mm, but none specifically in Mandarin. So what we're trying to do is to groom actors who are confident enough and competent enough to perform in Mandarin and a Singaporean Mandarin way. So that's one. And uh, secondly, we are also going into a theatre for young audience. How young? Um, I don't know, maybe even to the nursery. We will try, we will try, right, to see uh, uh, where that gets us. Um, the intention is to develop our own audience, young audience who are confident to step into theatre to watch a play, maybe largely in Mandarin, of course in other languages as well. You know, to not to say that, oh, Mandarin theatre, I, I, I'm, I'm scared, you know, I, I may not understand, are there subtitles? Yes, there are. <laughs> you know, so, so we need to start developing uh, our audience for the future as well. Yeah. Creators are a bit more difficult because of the command of the language. So people writing in a Chinese language uh, are difficult or directing in the, lang uh, the language is, is difficult to groom. So um, we don't have a lot of time and I'm anxious about that and I'm concerned. So um, that's the work we would like to do uh, going forward. What's really important is that all these different pathways are not like oh, Nine Years is only doing one thing, you know, Drama Box or Finger Players is just doing one thing. But really, there are multiple possibilities for each company, right? And what I'm hearing is that there is both that desire to create, in a way, a Singapore Chinese language canon at some point, <laughs> right? As well as to kind of think about developing audiences from young. And this reminds me actually of what Theatre Ekamatra has been doing earlier this year, where they did an entire series called Creating Malay Language Theatre for Young Audiences, where they were getting um, practitioners from TYA to be running workshops for other people within the scene as a way of building the capacity, precisely what you're talking about, right? For people to then start thinking about, ah, what might Malay language TYA look like? Um, I know that Nine Years has, has always focused a lot on actor education and it sounds like the TYA or the youth wing is also one angle in there. Um, are there also other plans in terms of other kinds of capacity development? Um, yes, also in terms of our actor training, which we have been doing for the past uh, 10, 11 years, um, it is about time that we will try to consolidate and even start to document them into something that is uh, unique, not only to Nine Years Theatre, but, but to Singapore, in a way. So how do we train Singaporean actors for the Singapore stage? Uh, so, so that's the work that I, I need to start doing, <laughs> uh, finding time to do that, yeah. to, to write them down, to consolidate into a document, 
and uh, further on, if we can, to develop a kind of a pedagogy in, in, in teaching uh, all these works. So I think moving to the next 10 years, it is about time to consolidate all these uh, knowledges and share it with um, um, a larger sphere of uh, people. And I guess with Oliver thinking about the finger players, I would say that the finger players is actually in the middle of a lot of change and consolidation in some ways, right? With the shift from a solo artistic director to thinking about a board of um, artistic team members and I suppose a rotating cast (laughs) of artistic directors. How do you think about your upcoming term with the finger players and how does this feed into, again, the idea of potential new pathways for Chinese language theatre in Singapore. We are not really um, thinking too much about the Chinese language as a company. But uh, as an individual artist, I do. Uh, I think um, the sensibilities in the language that is Singaporean Chinese is something that is very... Uh, interesting and challenging at the same time to manage um, because in the language uh, it, it, it reveals a lot about how this group of people think right by using that language and and then what is the Singaporean Chinese language this is something that is very difficult to to grasp um, because we are a very young country and uh, because we are multicultural and of course, there is the um, end of the spectrum way of interpreting this, right? It can be very campy Singaporean Chinese. It is, it is not just that. Like how sing, Singlish is often camped, right? It is like, oh, there's a li la lo le, then that, that's Singaporean. But it's, it is not just that. We Singaporeans, we know. Uh, and if we zoom into the Chinese language itself, that becomes even more difficult. How can we speak in a Singaporean Chinese language that Singaporeans can um, be proud of and not think of it as a very lowly, cheap, um, non-cultured way of speaking because we did not even design that way of speaking our Chinese language. It has evolved over time and with our culture, with our growth as a nation. Yeah, this is making me think about your transcreation of Every Brilliant Thing uh, by Duncan Macmillan with Johnny Donahoe. Uh, That was something that you adapted for Hawaii in 2022 and 2023. And I think having watched it in English, I was pleasantly surprised by how local you made it feel. I think a lot of friends actually thought it was original writing because they didn't know that it was an adaptation. And I think that speaks to the success with which you were able to localize a lot of the references and be able to also deliver in a way that felt very authentically Singaporean. Um, Maybe that's something that you could speak a little bit more about like what was your process in creating that particular work, right, as a way of thinking about Chinese language theatre? Just be myself. Yeah, just be myself and and, and be sincere about telling the story without thinking too much about the language, I suppose. Because of my background, I think it was easier. I, 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 I do not need to try too hard to speak in that manner because I'm really speaking as myself. So that was really what was going through my mind in terms of language. 
Nelson, would you like to say something? Because we are a young country, we are finding our way in terms of what is Singaporean Chinese-ness or a multicultural identity of Singaporean Chinese. So we are in the making in a way. Right? The fact that the very fact that we're talking about this in English over here, right? Um, there's nothing right or wrong. But the fact that we are doing it in English over here trying to talk about Chinese language theatre is unique. It is unique. It might not be even a discussion when if, if we are you know, people from Hong Kong or China or Taiwan and all these things. So uh, the, the fact that I have to consider how to use surtitling in my production, what kind of language? Do I want to keep it classical or, or kind of a more uh, localized in a way? And um, uh, to even consider that is also unique to us. The fact that uh, we have to consider translation or transcreation, even in our program booklet, is unique to us. What Nelson just said um, inspired something, or rather reminded something I felt uh, when doing the current work uh, with the dog who wasn't useful, uh, was that I realised when working with TYA, or Chinese TYA, sometimes the idea of education comes in. Can you teach them a word or a phrase? Teach them a chengyu, you know, an idiom. Can we teach them? I enjoy watching TYA plays a lot. It's just that I don't create any <laughs> until now. Uh, so when watching the others, I don't feel the baggage of having to teach something. But I think other uh, Chinese-based um, TYAs, right, there's this baggage of like, maybe we can teach them uh, a certain word so that they can learn this word. Then when they go home, you know, this is something great that, you know, they take away from it. So I think this idea of, hey, when you create a work, <laughs> you still have to think of what I'm teaching them or what they are taking away in terms of the word learning itself is very fascinating to me. Yeah, so um, that was something I think... Um, that uh, has happened in, in the course of creating this current work itself. Somehow, I think we started thinking, hey, maybe we put in some cheng yu, huh? then it sounds very chim, you know, then the kids can learn, they quite fun. Huh? It's a very simple podcast. Uh, actually, my son was listening to it. I found the story really funny, uh, but also very meaningful. And I, I talked to Isabella about it. So we got the permission, got to uh, adapt the story into Mandarin language, which of course the original creator, a Canadian, does not understand. So, I mean, thank him for the trust in that. Uh, but yeah, when we are translating it, or rather adapting it to the Mandarin language where we had to put the script together. It happens on a farm. So uh, there is obviously a farmer. And then I decided to let the farmer speak with more cheng yu in his language when he talks. I just think it's very cute and funny because we just assume that farmers are like, you know, they don't not educated or whatever, you know. But it's kind of cute to do that. And then we started thinking, yeah, yeah, maybe we should let the children learn a bit more. Okay, like, can they understand... So the linguistic ability, like what Nelson talked about, like how uh, the newer and younger generation, maybe their capacity or ability to process the language, be it listening to it, writing in it, talking, that becomes a very conscious consideration when we had to do this work for these TYA uh, audiences. You know, can they understand? Is it too chim? You know, do we need to water it down a little bit? You know, and why do we want to water it down? Why do we need to make it easier? You know, but if it's too chim, they cannot understand, then why do we, you know? So all these are very interesting conflicts. But yeah, I really wonder why as Chinese language that we have this baggage that we have to teach the language as part of a theatre practitioner's work, you know? 
to broaden the discussion, it's really not just about Chinese language theatre, right? I think just um, anything that is not in English has a little bit more of a baggage. So um, Roly Poly Family created this piece called Letters Come Alive, which is, um, I guess, finding different letters in the architecture and it's a dance dance theatre performance, sort of. But recently, they also created a version called Gear Up ABC. And there's an invitation to the audiences to learn new Malay vocabulary through the piece. And that was not as evident in the English version of the piece, right? The English version is really about just playing with the letters, playing with imagination. Um, how, I don't know, how might you pronounce the word um, A-Z-T-L-C? Whatever, right? And then people are just kind of like, oh, it's a nonsensical word. So you're playing with the language. But the Malay version is really about, this is a vocabulary, dudu, right? D for dudu, like sitting down. So I think there is something there about the nature of Singapore's multicultural fabric and yet the very prominent place of English. Um, I mean, the choice to record this podcast in English was also precisely to try and open up the conversation beyond just people who, you know, might go for Hawaii or people who are interested in Chinese language theatre, but really to think about how are we navigating all these other languages in the kind of theatre and the kind of arts that we do. I'm just thinking a lot about how a lot of children's books in Singapore now are really playing with Singaporean stories, Singaporean motifs, um, maybe a little bit of Singaporean language. And that also feels like an exciting pathway that, you know, in future it might not be TYA adapted from a Canadian writer, right? But just really adapting local Chinese or local other language books um, for the stage. And so maybe this brings me to the question that I would like to wrap up today's conversation with, which is, for each of you, what are your hopes and desires for Chinese language theatre in Singapore, whatever that means to you? Um, and actually, what else do you think Hawaii or other stakeholders in the art scene can do to really support these hopes for Chinese language theatre in Singapore? Hui Ling? At Dramabox, we, we work a lot with young people, so we're always thinking about, um, you know, that I share the considerations uh, Nelson had when he, or rather now that he's going to start his, uh, you know, uh, youth wing and um, the TYA work, that uh, we need to give space because it takes a lot of time. Like the decisions we make here, we'll only be seeing the results in the next 10, 15 years. But I also think that there is a huge group of people that we tend to forget. Um, and that is the people who came before us. Yeah, so um, I do feel a lot of um, emotion when I see a lot of our very, very good theatre actors and practitioners who are so um, fluent, not just in the language itself, uh, but I think fully understanding the cultural context, I think that is more important or interesting for me. Um, in the Chinese language per se, or the Chineseness of who we are. And also very, very um, talented in their craft. And not having enough uh, spaces to perform, such that we, as the next generation uh, of theirs, get to watch it. So uh, if you were to ask me, I think while we are busy building and making decisions for the next 10 years, I think it would be wonderful 
um, if we are able to see um, more interactions or bigger scale works uh, in the Chinese language itself. That's my personal um, wish as an audience to watch, right? Um, to have a larger scale um, theatre performances. Uh, and I say larger scale because I think sometimes we do need that scale. And I mean by the 10, 20 cast um, size. Uh, then you can have a very beautiful mix of um, the veterans, right? with the younger up-and-coming uh, practitioners. Because, I mean, actually the three of us knew each other, especially me and Nelson, uh, watching Guo Pao Kun direct the veteran actors. And I, I think for me to sit in rehearsal to see how they work was very fascinating. So I feel that um, in current days when we are doing our creation, we kind of lack that space. And actually the patience to just sit and watch a director work with a veteran actor and me just being one of the ensemble at the back, you know, a grass or something, yeah. Um, so, so I really hope, um, or, or personally, I benefited a lot. I made a lot of friends from um, those times. Uh, and I really hope that we are able to see such um, performances come again where there is a really great um, interaction and co-learning from the veterans, from the young people, as well as the young people from the veterans. I would love to see that. Yeah, so uh, calling out to uh, <laughs> Hawaii, uh, hello, hello, <laughs> to, to do something skip. like that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel that we shouldn't forget this very wonderful group of people mm, before us. That's a lovely home. I'm thinking about Nine Years Theatre in Red Sky in 2016. Yes, uh, stemming from what Huiling is saying, uh, you are very right. I am concerned about people being left behind. Um, also, the, the fact that um, Nine Years Theatre is working with Esplanade, with Hawaii Festival to create this, um, hopefully, you know, it goes a bit further and longer, uh, kind of a series of Singaporean uh, work, is also because um, I realised that a lot of the older generation audience, are, they're not coming back to theatre anymore. And the younger one is a bit apprehensive sometimes coming in. So we're, we're trying to create um, some more accessible works, good quality accessible works to encourage people to come into the theatre to recognise, and again, I say recognise and celebrate uh, the, the Singaporean Chinese-ness in a way, uh, together with all the multicultural aspects of, of our identity. Um, so that um, more people will enjoy theatre and coming into the theatre. Since Red Sky and Between You and Me that we did two years ago, I have audience uh, coming to feedback to us that, oh, finally there is uh, something that I can bring my parents to, in a way. And I want people to bring their family and, and their friends to, to come to the theatre and watching us. And then from there, they start to learn that, oh, there are also many, many different kinds of uh, uh, works created by all our local companies and then they can enjoy even more works from there. Yeah. If I may just also go back to a little bit of what I mentioned just now, I said that uh, for Singapore uh, Mandarin works or Chinese language work, we, use, we consider the use of surtitles and that is unique to us. But also we understand that there are, there are other works around the region, Macau and, and Hong Kong, they also use surtitling and, and even in Macau they use uh, uh, subtitles for Portuguese languages, right? For them, they are catering to some minority 
people who speak Portuguese or, or, or they are English-speaking people in their audience. But in Singapore, I don't think we're catering to minorities. I'm catering to a large part of my audience who do not speak the Mandarin language well or not at all. You know, and it, it becomes trickier moving forward that we have a lot of new immigrants nowadays in, in our community. And we have to factor in how to collaborate and how to include them. Like Oliver say, do we have an accent? Yes, we do. And our Chinese accents sound a bit different from the mainland uh, new immigrants. And how do we negotiate that? That is another question moving forward. We should not be segregating. We should find a new way. That's a new Singapore moving forward. And then uh, also about the Malaysian accent. How does that feature in our work? in the future. So the questions become bigger, bigger, bigger and bigger and, and more and more interesting. That's why I said uh, we are still very young in the exploration. We have a lot to offer. But first and foremost, Singaporeans need to realise that they need to fight for the multicultural identity of Singaporean Chinese. So that's what I have for the future of uh, Chinese language theatre that we need to start to recognise. Um, the, the very different... Um, kind of levels and, and colours in, in the use of the Chinese language together with the other uh, ethnic languages. For the fact that Oliver said, it's not just um, the Lila law and all these things. For me, that is what, that is localization. What we are trying to do is to Singaporeanize it, right? Not, not to just localize for, for entertainment effect in a way, but to Singaporeanize it. And that... Um, uh, takes a, a, a kind of a, a, a larger perspective in the sense that we also have people in Singapore who speak very good Mandarin and who can handle very classical texts. And then we have those who are very neutral, very nice sounding. We have those who are very localized. We have those who speak like all of us. Who, you know, I, I was slip into English. We, I code switch, you know, and, and, and all those things. And uh, I speak to my daughters, um, in Mandarin, they will answer me back in English and then I'll force them to <laughs> tell me what they're trying to, to say in, in, in Mandarin again and, and back and forth. And that's how a, a Singaporean Chinese family interact most of the time. And that, that should be special to, our, to us and, and, and to what, who we are. I'm still thinking a lot about uh, what Huiling was talking about just now, uh, that we have that pressure of wanting to teach them the language, like the idioms, like to value add as if the theatre piece itself is not enough, right? This pressure comes uh, for, for all mother tongue theatres, I think, like you were also talking about. So I, I guess this is, the, this is something that uh, we, we, we need to work together, uh, not only just us as artists and also... Um, um, Commissioners like like Esplanade Hua Yi would also need to work together with us to understand that uh, we are actually aiming for something even higher, uh, deeper than just the language itself. It is it is the the, the sensibilities behind the language, the worldview. Uh, I guess going back to the baggage again, um, uh, this baggage that this generation us four sitting here have because we have seen the 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 olden days, right? But, but those are days gone and, and will never ever come back, right? And then moving forward, because we know that all this language um, reveals that, that, that worldview of the different ethnic groups in Singapore and then placing them together on this small island, that's so beautiful. 
But if everything were to become English, English, right, and then that that nuances that that different shades of greys in 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 this nation will be gone, and therefore that baggage. And then that baggage will also come uh, together hand in hand with the pressure that that um, the platforms has given us, telling us that our mother tongue is not enough. We have to value add it by teaching the language itself as well. So 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 to answer your your question, the hopes that I have in the future. So I hope that uh, a nice and meaningful platform like Huayi will go on for years and years. Uh, to also celebrate not only the Singaporean Chinese, but also the Singaporean Malay, Tamil, and all other CIMOs, right? We always say CIMO in a negative light, but actually it, it, it is beautiful if we can understand them more than just on the surface of just that language and then teaching that language. is more than that. It lies more than skin deep. Yeah, I think what feels important is recognising that there are worlds within worlds, right? When you talk about CMIO, then within Chineseness, there are so many different worlds of Chinese. I think there are so many threads that I, I feel like we could continue to kind of pull out and, and probe deeper. But I guess what I I would like to leave this conversation with is really thinking about the beauty of, of this idea of like the worlds within worlds and I think also the reminder that we are not alone. Um, I think I am still very conscious of the Singapore Chinese Language Theatre Alliance that kind of emerged in 2015 and, um, you know, did a New Works Festival in 2019 um, and that is on hiatus now. <laughs> um, but I think this idea that we don't always need to be in one collective body in order to work together, right? That in all your different capacities as companies, as, or I suppose as representatives of companies because you are not the company, right? And also as just practitioners in your own right that the different things that you're doing and thinking and, and talking to people about are different ways that can move towards that same path of really just finding a way to, to both anchor ourselves in this identity of or to negotiate, I suppose, this identity of what it means to be Chinese and what Chinese language theatre in Singapore's context might be while still being open and branching out and expanding to thinking about um, other races in Singapore and also other kinds of Chineseness within the world itself. Well, if I may add, um, for Nayas theatre at least, uh, we are always very careful that... Um, Chinese culture is the foundation of our work, but it's never the centre of our practice, right? I cannot speak for the other companies, but from my observation of all these other companies, I feel that we are all doing the same thing. You know, we are aware that we are not Chinese-centric and we would like to negotiate, speak to, uh, speak with and, and have a conversation with all the other ethnic cultures around us. And that is what I think, in a very concise way, what Singaporean Chinese is. I'm thinking a lot about what Oliver said. Just be myself. Like, that is part of it. Just recognising that Chineseness is part of the four of us as practitioners. And therefore, it inevitably colours the way we want to work and move in this world. And that it's not the sole thing that guides us in how we want to move around. Thank you so much again, Nelson, Huiling, Oliver. 
Making a Scene is produced by Esplanade Theatres on the Bay, Singapore's National Performing Arts Centre. This episode of Making a Scene is commissioned by Esplanade Theatres on the Bay in conjunction with Hawaii Chinese Festival of Arts. Our theme music is from Angels by Haust. Look for more episodes of Making a Scene at esplanade.com slash offstage and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Captivate.fm. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations with art makers.